Thank you so much, Mickey, for being here and joining the playroom today. How are you? I am doing awesome, Sauce. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to finally connect with you outside Clubhouse. Yes, uh, Clubhouse is so addictive, but happy to make um, so many new connections there. It's great for that. Same here, same here, definitely. I would love people to know more about you because I got to meet you in one of the Clubhouse rooms. We're talking about how to build generational wealth with a strong mindset and the points that you brought across the table were very strong and i love people to know more about you who you are what you do and we can get into the discussion for today okay awesome um well i'm mickey gabriel i'm uh, based in texas i've worked in the finance industry um for about 20 years now um various capacities, working at a broker-dealer, um, trust firm, um, mostly uh, boutique wealth management firms. I am securities um, licensed, um, and basically I've traditionally worked with ultra-high net worth um, clients, um, which means people um, with an average net worth of um, $10 million and up, and heavily focus on comprehensive wealth management, which is uh, tax planning, estate planning, financial planning, insurance planning, um, and then finally, um, investment management for their assets. So it's basically um, just looking at all aspects of your entire net worth as opposed to just um, focusing on investing in stocks or mutual funds um, just for gains. So basically just, just the entire big picture. That's amazing. I love the fact that we're going to be talking about financial literacy today because this is a topic that most people are aware of, but not everybody is conversant on. They're not really um, financially savvy. And you just mentioned something like tax planning. If there are different types of financial planning for someone, who, for someone who's listening, how can they be able to stay connected to the reason why they're making the money in the first place and where they should take it to? Oh, absolutely. So what I actually suggest, because um, if you're not indoctrinated into this, basically meaning that you didn't grow up hearing these things or knowing that your parents were going to see their financial advisor or having a set of their estate planning documents like wills and trusts, um, the first thing that I suggest to people is you take a look around you and think about what are you responsible for. Um, are you responsible for your home? Are you responsible um, for any relatives that live with you? Are you responsible for your spouse, um, for your children, depending on their age? So that's really going to um, dictate what you need to ensure is uh, taken care of. And the first person being yourself, right? So you have to make sure that you're in a good position um, in order to invest and ultimately protect um, your responsibilities. And then you would just put together the products and resources and legal documents that would ensure that everything is, is taken care of. Because you really want to think about what would happen tomorrow if I were no longer here. Um, because uh, death is inevitable. But So that is really what you plan for, not only for retirement, um, but beyond. So that's usually the first step that I have people to, to think about. Because a lot of times we're just working. We're not even really, you know, thinking about what would happen if we weren't here, which should be our first concern, especially if we have children, right? Yeah. 
children are not cheap. <laughs> so somebody would have to be in place to take care of them as well as have the necessary funds uh, in order to, to make sure that they're well provided for. I love that. The financial literacy around having a consistent mindset to stay on top of everything is usually a big thing, but sometimes people don't know the difference between saving and investing. Could you tell us more about what those two can do for you on a daily basis? Yes. So investing, if we think of investing like investing for our future. So investing, and it's so funny because I was having this conversation with my son yesterday. Um, uh, he was like, Mom, I won't be worried about investments because I'm going to make a lot of money. So I tried to explain to him that your wages or your income um, is completely different than your investments. You expect a return on your investments, um, just like some people buy um, rare Jordans and don't wear them. You are putting a certain sum of money aside right now to purchase that asset um, with the hope that it is going to gain in value from later so that you can somehow benefit from that, whether you're just going to keep that asset forever um, or pass it down to your heirs or sell it at a later time um, to make a return on your money. So an investment is something that you expect to get a return out of. And it is almost the same as if you are in a marriage or in a job or, or putting things into your vehicle. You are making an investment in that in the hopes of getting something out of it later. Now, typically, you're going to invest in um, life insurance or, or stocks or even you know people are investing in crypto. Your savings is your cash that is not invested because it needs to be what's called liquid. Um, the, the, uh, the actual um, definition of liquidity is something that can be sold relatively quickly for cash. So if you own a house, even if it is paid for, you cannot go and sell your house within a few days and have the money in the bank. Um, maybe in some circumstances you could, but that is not considered a liquid asset. So stocks are considered a liquid asset, mutual funds, right? You have a brokerage fund, a brokerage account, you can sell those assets, you can have the cash in a few days. So your savings should be in cash and your savings is something that is typically for an emergency. So it used to be that the recommendation was for everyone to have three months of cash on the side and basically that means three months of your income just set aside just in case you lose your job or something happens but since the pandemic um, and recent things that have been happening now the recommendation is to have six months of cash so if you make three thousand dollars a month and that is your take home you should have a nice little nest egg savings bucket between 12 to eighteen thousand dollars just in the event that something should happen so that's really the big difference your savings should not be touched because that may be needed for whatever reason. You have to go to the hospital, you need to replace your vehicle, you need to replace your roof. Um, your investments are, are, is money that you can afford to have tied up that you don't need immediate access to. That is for a future use and for future growth. That's how I would explain the difference between those two. I love the way you simplified that because now it makes someone think about what they are saving and what they're investing because those have two different ratios and that also completes a, a different cycle on how they're able to spend. Like you mentioned, if it's six months and I have to make sure I have between four to six months worth of um, emergency funds, then my spending has to be way less than what I'm used to spending. So when you think about cash flow planning, 
how does that play a role when somebody already has a budget for something but they still need that six months in advance to still stay afloat gotcha so with tax planning um there's not as much that you can do before you have considerable assets and i consider considerable for the most part um it's called an affluent investor in the industry with assets um investable assets of about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars so a good example that i give for tax planning is say there's an individual with a job and that job offers a 401k plan and this individual does not have children or a spouse or a home for write-offs um, when you do not invest in your 401k um, it's usually it's uh, you can either invest it as a Roth IRA which means that the funds that you put in there are not pre-tax so you do not get an automatic discount but when you take them out at retirement you don't have to pay tax on it but what I have people think about is if you are paying money to Uncle Sam and you need a deduction right now or reduction in your your taxes why not contribute to your 401k or if you're for if you don't have a 401k through your company you can contribute to a traditional IRA and then what the federal government does to encourage you or incentivize you to save for your retirement they will actually um, give you a portion of those funds back which lowers your tax base so for example if you make fifty thousand dollars a year and you put five percent in instead of owing tax on fifty thousand dollars now you owe tax on forty five thousand and you have five thousand dollars sitting in your retirement account so really you've already made a gain of about twenty percent on that five thousand dollars now even though you can't touch it um, it's still yours um, it, it's for your retirement so instead of paying that money to Uncle Sam you have invested in yourself so that's a good example of how to tax plan um, when you don't really have a business or, or write-offs or need to set up a certain structure or anything that's just something that the average person can take advantage of even if you are 18 years old it's always good to put aside money where you can put it in an IRA and lower your tax base because that's less that Uncle Sam will tax you on and even if it's two or three hundred dollars that's two or three hundred dollars it adds up over time so that's kind of an example that I use to get people to thinking about how to um, take advantage of either lowering your taxes or investing in products um, once you you have considerable assets that also um, are tax uh, advantageous for you That's great. I think those are key point areas that will indicate someone to stay connected to their their routine, because the more money you get, the more things you want to spend on. But I I believe your discipline also comes into play when you know that someday you're going to spend it on something that you will need when you don't have the money to, you know, to look on because you had a saving somewhere that was able to save you from the stress of today. So, absolutely. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll use myself for an example. So, I am a single mom, um, divorced with three boys, and I have the mindset even before I start a new position that I pay myself first. And when I say I pay myself first, I prioritize myself because I am ultimately responsible. Of course, their father as well. But in my mind, I am responsible for my home, for my children. 
for providing for my children and also for myself in the event that I need something. So I am typically with firms that offer a healthy 401k program. Um, even one of the firms that I was with, they matched what I put in by 50% at the end of the year. And then um, uh, some companies have like a profit sharing plan where you get an additional amount um, put in. So that's all free money. And you can't really get any more free um, than 401k matches because it also grows tax-free. So you're just surrounded by free, 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 sometimes just for doing the minimum. So I put at least 10% away automatically. Number one, it helps lower my tax base. So that's less money I'm paying to Uncle Sam at the end of the year. And number two, um, there are protections wrapped around it to where um, sometimes it's so hard once that paycheck gets home for us to carve out savings. And I understand that, especially with children and how expensive things are. So many people are just struggling to just kind of keep ahead and live paycheck to paycheck. And, um, you know, I have clients that make $250,000 a year, but they still live paycheck to paycheck. Um, more money, more problems. Right. So when you invest in yourself and put that aside, what you're basically doing is you're giving yourself that cushion. Um, so those funds are already there. And you just really have to have that mindset that it's something that you're going to do regardless. Whenever I got a raise or a promotion, um, say my salary increased 15%, Half of that, um, before I even get it, I'm going to put half of that into my 401k so that I don't even miss it. And you don't miss it what you don't get. So you start out putting that 10% aside, and if there's not a 401k, then you can actually, most places allow your direct deposit to be split. Just go ahead and put that in the savings account. And again, then you're already thinking, I'm having this much every two weeks, or I'm having this much every week. You're not even thinking about that extra money that's set aside because you're you're going to to be trained to only expect um, that percentage that you're receiving. So that's usually what I advise to people because I get it. It's so hard to carve it out once once it hits your bank account. You're spending, you know. Um, Look at how easily it is to do DoorDash and Amazon. It literally takes you less than 30 seconds to spend thousands of dollars at your convenience. Right. Um, and we just do things without thinking. For um, You know, we always need something or think we need something. So that's my suggestion. Just don't even have that those funds there. Um, have them somewhere else. Um, I suggest to people, if you're really, really struggling with um, stopping your spending habits, and that's the thing, too. You have to be honest with yourself. You can set a goal, but if you don't implement that goal and you, um, you um, I call it disobeying yourself, right? You're doing your future self a disservice because today you may say, well, I'm going to save $100 every paycheck. But then when next time comes and you don't do it, you're basically lying to yourself because your future self in six months would say, why didn't you just put aside that $100? We would have had, you know... $2,400 and now we need this money, but your today's self is like, screw you, future self, I'm gonna spend this $100. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> yeah. about you in the future. So when I tell people to think about it like that, do your future self a favor. Do what you say you're going to do today because you need to. we need to honor ourselves. And a lot of times we simply don't do that, right? So we think about how we let people in our family down, but how many of us are letting ourselves down? So we need to value ourselves. So if we say we're going to do a goal, and that's any goal, 
I'm not gonna go out to eat. I'm not gonna call that dude back because he was mean to me. But you call him back. Do your future self a favor. Listen to yourself, respect yourself, honor yourself, and value yourself. So when you set a goal, you trust yourself. I am going to put aside $100. Well, guess what? Put aside that $100. Let yourself know that you can be trustworthy as well. And don't, you know, think about your future self in six months. Like, oh my God, you didn't do it. We're totally screwed. I hate you. Whatever. All that negative self-talk that we give ourselves. So there's a bit of a psychology in that too. So that's my recommendation. Find a goal that you can work, that you know that you will honor, um, and then just stick to it. If you if you know that you're going to spend, then start with something small. Start with $50 a paycheck, right? We should all be able to do that. I'm going to put aside $50 a paycheck. Even if you don't invest it and you're building up your savings fund, just try to commit to that. Because guess what? When you do it, you get used to it. You actually train your brain to anticipate it. And when you don't do it, you're you're going to be upset and you're going to make it up. So that's that's my suggestion as to how to, to get started there. Honor I, yourself first and stick to your goals. And it doesn't matter if it's a small goal, that accomplishment will make you feel good and then you'll be able to move further and achieve more goals, especially your financial ones, because they're so important. I definitely agree with that because as you were mentioning the whole saving idea about the six months, now I was wondering, and I don't know if this is also in context, but when you're saving that $100 every month, would you suggest someone to save that into, uh, like, let's say cryptocurrency, if they have a Coinbase or they have a Robinhood and put that $100 there and let it see the growth six months later, or they should put that $100 in a savings account that they should not touch by staying disciplined? Well, my views on crypto, right? So I just started, um, like, maybe last week. Because in a traditional setting with clients, um, there are regulatory bodies, called, one is called um, FINRA and uh, the SEC, which more people are probably familiar with. Um, cryptocurrency is not even approved. So on most of the traditional platforms like Fidelity or TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab or Ameriprise or Vanguard, you're really not able to buy cryptocurrencies because they're not regulated. And what that means is that um, now, of course, if you put your money in Amazon stock and it goes down, you know, you can't call Fidelity or your broker and say, hey, you owe me money because this went down. All right. That's the risk that we take. Right. However, there are certain protections in those accounts. Um, for example, um, uh, there's CIPIC, uh, um, and I'm not explaining what these are. I apologize. But basically, there are federal protections in place whenever you deal with someone, say your broker buys you 10 shares of Amazon and you only told him to buy five. Well, you can actually go to that broker's firm and say, hey, give me my money back because he did not do what I said. So you have those protections in place with traditional um, firms and, and licensed brokers because they uh, there's some sort of oversight or some responsibility that they have. But with crypto, and these apps, for example, with Robinhood, um, the news was that they basically turned off trading for investors, right? That's really scary. Um, during the GameStop debacle, yeah. so you basically had people, the shares were going down, and Robinhood was like, hey, you can't even trade. That is awful. I would not suggest that to, to anyone. Um, and then with crypto, it's so volatile. It's so risky. So um, my, um, not official recommendation, but if I looked at crypto, um, I put $50 in. 
<laughs> okay. Because if I lost that fifty dollars, that's the order of DoorDash for me and my boys. I'm okay with that. We do DoorDash too much, but I would um, really carefully look and see. Um, and it, first of all, it it, it trades twenty four seven. So um, it's it's probably one of the most volatile things that you can invest in. And when I say volatile, um, most of stocks over time, um, on average, for the stock market, if you look at the past 20 years during any period, you will have a gain of at least 8 to 10%, right? Um, yes, it goes up and down, it fluctuates, um, but it's somewhat reliable in that it's, it's consistent and it's something that's been there over time. Crypto is relatively new. There's no regulatory body. It's based completely on algorithms. You know, if you invest in it on Coinbase or Cash App, if something happens or you make a mistake or you, you know, you hit zero instead of, you know, 1,000 instead of 100 and it comes out of your bank account, just make sure that there's some place that you can call to get that fixed or trading error and that those are not funds that you will need immediately because you could put that $100 in and it'll be worth $50 tomorrow. Um, so I would just make sure um, you never, never, never want to invest your savings, um, not even in the stock market, right? Because um, I'll give an example. Say you came to me and you said, I just got $50,000. What do I do with it? So first question I'm going to ask you is, do you have your money set aside for your emergency fund? And you're like, okay, I don't really need that much. I just need $5,000 because I don't spend a lot anyway. Okay, fine. Do you have any other expenses? Do you have any debt? Well, yes, I have a credit card that has a $5,000 balance and the APR is 24.99. It's really unlikely you're going to invest in something that's going to earn the more than 24.99%. Um, well, no, I take that back. There is a likelihood, um, but you already have that debt, so that definitely needs to be taken care of first. Then I would ask you, are you going to need any of this money in the next three to six months. And you may say, well, yes, actually, I'm gonna get married in four months and I'm gonna spend about $15,000. Well, we don't wanna invest that because what if the stock market goes down and you put that 15,000 in there that you're going to need in the short term and you lose 20%. Well, mm. that's not good. So I'd say, you know what? Let's just kind of put this aside, put it in a, a short-term CD or something, or just leave it as cash because you're going to use it. And then the rest of that money could be invested because you're going to need it in the future, not um, within six months. So that's how I kind of advise people to look at that. If it's money you're going to need within six months, you don't really want to invest it because you can't be sure of the return that you're going to get. So it's okay to just kind of leave that in cash and not touch it. I love that. That's very totally practical. Amazing. Yeah, it definitely does. It, it definitely does because now it shows that you're being particular about what you're investing in and without being over ambiguous on a result that six months later you're going to get a, an ROI of 20% when it's probably going to be 7.5%, you know? So it's it's really... Exactly. Yeah, it's about that scaling and how you can make sure that you have a better... Um, What's the word? When you have a better approach and discipline to how you're investing, I think the way you spend money will now pay you back over time. Yes, and it's the discipline. And what it also does is it forces you to confront yourself. I also look at a lot of psychology <laughs> things. Okay. Um, because it's called a behavior. It's actually a behavior that you were displaying, right? So a lot of us actually need to change our behavior towards a lot of things. 
So I ask a lot of questions and sometimes people are confused because they're like, why are you asking me these questions? I'm asking you things that you should know. <laughs> if you were saying, I'm going to be serious about investing, um, then you need to know what your budget is. You need to know, do I have any, um, let's call them capital expenses, right? Capital meaning one-time major purchases or expenses that are not part of your day-to-day -day budget, right? So, yeah. Um, let's say if you live in a house and you have um, homeowners association fees, right? That's a once a year payment. Um, so I'm going to ask you about those. I'm going to ask, are you going to have any major medical issues? Are you um, having a procedure that you're going to go to the hospital in three to six months or even in nine months where you're going to have to pay out of pocket? Um, are you having a baby? Are you buying a house? Are you getting married? Are you going to replace your vehicle in three to six months, right? So you are training yourself to, like I said, let's take care of our future self. Don't have your future self. You know, in three months, you're like, crap, I knew I needed a new car. Why didn't I prepare for this three months ago? Right. Now I have to put it on my credit card. I have to go beg people for money. You know, no, no, no. Let's let's be mindful of that. So at least once a week or something, or, you know, maybe even every day for some of us, um, or at least once a month, you need to be looking at your budget, looking at your expenses, preparing for the next three to six months. Um, am I getting a bonus, right? Is Christmas coming? How much do I need to set aside so that all of a sudden, you know, the day before Christmas, I don't need to spend 500 or $1,000 and carve that out of my budget and maybe go get a payday loan, right? right. So think about your future self and force yourself to think about it because it is a behavior not only of investing, um, investing in yourself and just easing your anxiety, right? Because the more prepared you are, the better you can handle it. So I challenge people, what is coming up financially in the next three to six months that you need to prepare for? So it's, it's, it's adulting on a whole different level, but you will benefit from it, whether you are investing or not. You are forcing yourself to basically plan accordingly um, and that's only going to benefit you as time goes on. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that, because now you're focusing mostly on that adulthood that you mentioned. And it's it's more so like it still boils down to discipline because some people just don't know how to spend. Some people are uh, impulse shoppers. Some people just want to spend because they have the money. So do you also think mm -hmm. having like different accounts helps or putting all your eggs in one basket, which is usually like a saying? I think different accounts help. And then I will also say, you know, and I can't say this enough. I know I sound like a broken record. You have to know yourself, right? Yeah. Because you can bring home $10,000 and you know you're going to spend it. I'll use myself for an example. I even delete apps from my phone because I know that I'm going to be bored for five seconds. I'm gonna, like, I want some Jordans, but I know I don't need Jordans because <laughs> I have 20 pairs of tennis shoes in my closet, but I want some. So I've literally deleted the sneakers app from my phone. I will hide my credit cards. I will leave them at my mother's house. <laughs> um, 
uh, because I know that and it, it's kind of um, I am training myself to you know um, especially as, as you know individuals we feel bad sometimes we feel a little sad for whatever reason oh I know what will make me feel better let me buy something no 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 so I when I set out my goals um, I actually have something to look forward to well I want to take this trip in six months so if I spend this money now it's gonna take away from me having fun on my trip so when you think about it that way, so if you need separate accounts, right, the advantage of having everything online in these apps is you can have five different accounts. You can label one Christmas. You can label one kids' birthdays. You can label one, you know, um, the savings account. For You can have your emergency account. You can label one, you know, trip with the girls. So whatever you need to, to, to help you save money, and honor yourself, right? Because if you literally, if you ask anyone, anyone at all, um, do you want to prepare for not only for your retirement but for um, your family's welfare when you're no longer here? And do you want to live your best financial life now and make the best decisions? Everyone is going to say yes, and yet they will even agree. Yes, I need to budget. Um, yes, if I don't have that extra income, I need to cut down on spending and I spend too much on things I don't really need. Absolutely, everyone is going to say yes. They'll, they might even say, sure, I'm going to start saving money tomorrow. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But then guess what? They start doing those things. And then you beat yourself up and then you promise to change, but you never really change. So you have to know what works for you. Some people use the envelope system. When they get their paycheck, they cash it, they put everything in envelopes. Um, I know people that make several hundred thousand dollars a year that do this. Um, my uncle is an engineer and he used the envelope system for years. He would put so much cash for entertainment. He would put so much cash for groceries. He would put so much cash for gas. Now, because he was an engineer, he had about 20 envelopes. He would wow. put an envelope for utilities. Um, he would even put an envelope for flowers for his wife because um, he liked to give her a little gift every month. Uh, and once the cash in those envelopes was done, he was done. So if it was week three and his grocery envelope was empty, they had to eat whatever was already in the house. Um, but he was very, very strict on himself. So it, it made him stick to his budget um, because they like to take uh, annual trips. And he knew, um, and like one year, they actually did not go on the trip because um, they overspent. So he would quote unquote punish himself um, when he did not stick to his budget. So you just have to be clear on what will work for you because there's you're just really wasting time when you say to yourself over and over and over and over and over again, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. It's like you're not fooling anybody. My great-grandfather always told me, or my grandfather always used to tell me, you can lie to everybody, but you can't lie to yourself. Don't try because it's not going to end well, right? Right. So set a goal. If it's $5, you know you can only commit to $5. Do that for three months, feel good about it, and then slowly increase that amount. But, you know, don't don't cap, as my 16-year-old says, and say, oh, I'm going to put aside $200 every month. No, you're not. You know that. <laughs> um, start with what you can do and follow through with it, right? Exactly. you're not lying to anybody but yourself. You're hurting yourself. So, yes, absolutely. Use as many accounts as you need, whatever you need to, by any means necessary. Put that money aside so that you can invest it later. Absolutely. 
Most definitely. I like that idea. And the envelope idea, I don't know how many people still use that. Maybe even the Gen Xs or the baby boomers, that's still a very efficient way of saving. And sometimes some people say that they don't want to see the money so they don't spend it. Other people want to see the money in their account and, and not spend it. So based on that discipline factor, do you think using those two methods work or it's highly preferable on your your habits? Because like you said, you may need this for groceries tomorrow and you don't want to go to your accountants and swipe or you don't want to use your credit card. So when you split out everything in terms of cash and also cashless, which is the society we live in now, does that play a better role into your psyche? Because you mentioned about psychology. Does that help when you see like $100 in front of you and you want to spend it or you see $100 on your card? I think so, because I have a little story. Um, when I used to watch Oprah Winfrey years ago, she was sharing how um, uh, she, um, she some, her bank account had been compromised or whatever, so she had to use cash for a little while. Now, this is Oprah Winfrey, right? So she's got hundreds of millions of dollars. She says that she found that once she actually had to use physical cash, right, she started questioning things. Well, that little thing is fifty dollars. I don't need it. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it was funny because she spent less. Because she said, when you swipe, you swipe, you sign, you don't even think about it, right? It's right. Not, um, when we go to the grocery store and you're spending money, you're not going to look at your account and balance your budget. You know, balance your checking account in that moment, or you're not looking at your credit card and thinking, okay, I just spent two hundred dollars and I'm charging this. What is the interest on this? You know, based on when I pay it, so right. So that's what I tell people: be careful of what you're putting on those credit cards, because you're you're buying groceries, you're putting it on a card, you already have a balance on. By the time you pay that down, you know that little gallon of milk is twelve dollars. Mm. Is that smart? No, no, that's not smart. Because um, you you don't have a zero balance, so you're getting charged interest on a bag of chips. That's not good. Just pay it. So whatever works for you. So for me, sometimes. Um, I, I do, um, I even not, and I will admit, I am a financial professional, but I have to go old school. I will have to get cash. Because it's kind of like back in the day, you know, you had those those old heads that hated to break a $20. Right. You had a fresh $20 bill. Yeah. You would do everything you could not to break that 20 <laughs> And then you would, you would have 15 you'd have a 10 and a 5 and then you got the 10 and so if you need to do that, do that. Get a call. I challenge people. Um, get get a thousand dollars cash and make yourself go to the grocery store to pay your utility bills, right? Because you can still do that. Go stand in line, pay that bill. A reminder, you know, don't make it easy on yourself. If you are having a hard time budgeting, go old school. Go to the bank, pay your bills, go get a money order to pay your rent. Don't use the electronic feature because usually they charge you a five dollar fee anyway. Yeah. And see how hard it is. And I bet you will have more of a, a value and appreciation for your money when you actually, you know, have to utilize it that way and keep track of all that cash. You know, because then you can't just spend, spend, spend like, okay, um, I, I need the groceries are a hundred dollars, but I forgot what I spent yesterday and I only have 80 bucks on me. You know, well, then you're going to make better decisions, right? Because you needed to have that hundred dollars for the groceries and you're going to think about, well, what did I spend my cash on? So absolutely. I, I think we need to be reminded of the value of what that is. It's not just, you know, little numbers on our app. That is stone cold hard. As my, my family from Louisiana says, that's cash money. <laughs> we need to respect that. Yeah. Um, and not just give it to Amazon every month. 
So I, I think that's a good idea. Do exactly. a little bit of both if that helps you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Speaking of the future and kids, what would you say, because, you know, children are the future, and when you think about future planning as a parent and creating that wealth um, ecosystem for them, especially when they're growing, like the older they get, the more expensive things get. So when you think about creating a safe place for your money, like you said, having separate accounts, what is the best practice for someone who is within that space of, you know, taking care of their children, taking care of their home, taking care of each other as significant others and still spending money enough to still be able to have food on the table every day without being exposed or being exhausted. Right. So that's a difficult one uh, because absolutely there are people that are doing the best that they can, working the hardest that they can. Um, you know, if we could all go back in time, you know, maybe we could all be engineers or entrepreneurs or um, pretty sure there are moments when we realize we could have taken advantage of things that would have benefited us financially. Um, for people in those situations, I would say for moms and dads, um, you have to take care of yourselves first, um, which means, um, you know, children, um, as long as they are healthy and happy, um, they, they are good. Um, I'll use my own kids, for example. Um, I worked um, at a position, and I was I was handsomely paid, but it it, co- it was a cost, right? It was I was working about sixty hours a week, and I was laid off, and I was mentally exhausted. I would have to come home and just. And um, when it came to, I took about three months off. I had a good package, and when I started to look for a new position, my boys were like, "You know what? You're always stressed because you're working." And I was like, "Well, but." If mommy doesn't have that kind of, you know, position, then we won't be able to have our PS5s. And my children were, um, let's see, between 14 and 17, and they looked at me and they said, we don't want those things. You buy them for us. And it was just like an aha moment for me. They didn't care about any of those things. They just wanted me there baking cookies. So um, a lot of times we do stuff for our children because we want better or we think it's better when really... They just wanted me to sit there on the sofa so they could peek at me and, you know, um, mess with me with their Android phones and put it on YouTube when I was watching Netflix. Um, <laughs> so they just wanted mom. They didn't want a trip or, or whatever. Because listen to your children. As smart as they were, they knew that even though we had those fun things, I was still so stressed. So they were, it came at a cost that they were not willing for me to pay um, just for the sake of us having them. So um, simpler is better. Sometimes we just need to take a hard look at not only where our money is going, but where is your time going? And think about where is your where is your source of stress, right? Because it shouldn't be home. But what happens sometimes is we put ourselves in position where we create stress at home, and then we're just stressed twenty four seven, which is just not good. If you're anxious about everything, you're just not going to make good decisions because you're making it from a place of fear, not from a place of peace. Right. Mm. So look at your look at your habits, look at your spending, try to put aside that money so that that's not again, let's take care of our future selves. So that's not future worry if something happens. Um, So sacrifice today, sacrifice Starbucks, sacrifice Amazon. Kids don't need big birthday parties or whatever. There's no reason to keep up with the Joneses. Um, You should not have a Gucci handbag if you do not have a Gucci uh, income to match. Right. Right. Um, 
I don't even buy Gucci handbags. So, um, <laughs> and let our children see us budget. Let them see you have all those bills out and pay those bills because they need to understand too. Well, mom or dad, what are you doing? Well, I'm taking care of the bills this month. And, you know, we can only save a, a smaller amount of money um, and uh, be open with them about that. Be open with them about our choices. Well, you know, mom or dad didn't graduate high school, so I don't earn as much money. This is why I want you to go to trade school, or this is why I want you to go to college. Um, so, And be honest with your children also about if it's a struggle. Um, now, of course, you don't burden them with, you know, you don't want them thinking, oh, no, somebody's going to come get us because we can't pay the light bill. But I believe it's okay to kind of be open with your children. Well, we can't do this because mom and dad need to save some money or we need to um, take care of the family, right? You don't need to go into detail. Yeah. Um, but when you can, um, and I also tell family members this, you can set up like 529 plans for your children. And um, especially if you have a big family, grandma and grandpa want to give them 20 or $50. How about teach them to put that into their account? Um, even if it's not an investment account, you can open savings, savings accounts for children at the bank. Um, and they can get little ledgers. And how cool would that be for them to keep track of their money, right? Even right. if it's cash, um, birthday money, babysitting money, um, you know. So let them um, start learning that early. Because I think that's what people think. You need hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, you can go open a savings account for your, your little people and you can put 20 bucks in there, right? I right. mean, at least they're going to learn um, what money is and the value and then they'll get excited about saving because um, that's really what you want. It's the savings mindset, not the spend mindset. They see you spend. They need to see you save. That's equally, if not more important. Mm, I love that. You have to see people spend and save to understand the work balance between those two. And it, it, it really shows that when kids do see what you do and they can understand that you're saving for something, they, are, they also understand that when that time comes for them to start saving, they'll remember how, you know, their dad and mom saved for a rainy day. That is so true, and um, that's what I tell novice investors or people who are just like, well, where do I start? Absolutely, you know, because we, you know, when you think about it, it's really, really profound, but so simple. Do our children see us save? You know, so that's that's a challenge for whoever's listening. Think about how do your children see you save, right? Because we know they know how to spend. <laughs> um, right. Because even if you're paying a bill, you're still spending money, right? You're you're taking money. From your bank account wherever and you're paying that bill um so yes they we need to to challenge ourselves to make sure that we are showing our children um how we put aside money speaking of putting aside money and just going back a little bit into the tax planning you know i've been hearing on different videos and different entrepreneurs how they say that they would love to keep their 30 percent on the side every time they're making anything so they can be able to track when it's time to pay their taxes. How does that play into accounts? Do they have to save that into a savings account within their bank or do they have to create a separate account to make sure that they are not touching it? No, so it really just depends on your discipline, right? So some people can put it aside um, knowing that if a thousand dollars is deposited in there, then 30% of that is gonna go away. I would say that it's probably best to put it aside, because um, I'll use an example. 
when you have clients that are over 59 and a half and the time has come for them to live off of their IRAs, um, they take distributions from those accounts. Well, the federal government does not require you to pay your taxes upfront, but a lot of clients will say, let's just go ahead and send 20% to the IRS, right? So if I'm taking $5,000 a month from our retirement account, a lot of people will say, I want $5,000 growth the total amount, but net to me, I want 4,000 what's remaining after taxes because I'm just gonna go ahead and send that to the IRS right now. So um, again, it would it would almost uh, make better sense for you to put that into a separate account and have a separate bucket. And that way you're better able to plan so you don't always have to deduct that amount. You know, um, if there's $10,000 in there, but you haven't paid tax on it, and you know the 3000 belongs to the IRS, um, you might as well just kind of put that in a separate account. Um, and that way, you know, you, you won't uh, confuse, confuse the two numbers. So you'll know that I only have 7000 in here for business expenses, or living expenses, or what have you. And then that other part is like an addition to your, your savings, right? Because you're going to have to give it to Uncle Sam. So I think it's a good idea to separate the two, especially if you're just starting out. So that way you can always have it clear in your mind that this is not my money. <laughs> this is the government's money. And I'm going to put them in their own little account until it's time to send it off to them. Yeah, I I agree so too. I think that's also one area that people usually don't think about because they get excited and then forget about that until the day of or the day two, you know, to do that. So it definitely makes it even better that if you're doing this consistently for yourself personally, like you said, then your business will be taken care of and you can be able to do those things. Now, when when you're making payments and you mentioned about like lowering your taxes, how does that play out when it comes to buying your assets? Because sometimes people may need things for themselves, but if they run their own business, they may want to buy like a phone or buy a car or buy a truck or buy something with the business account so they can be able to, you know, work through their taxes. How does that play for them? Should they be able to, you know, focus on those personal things personally with their accounts or leverage with the business and then use that to bring money back into the business? Now, that's a very good question because I know a few people that will say, oh, I have a business, but they don't have a tax ID. Um, they don't have, they're not even using a DBA or doing business as. Um, so you don't have an LLC structured. So definitely, because I'm not a tax professional, but what I will say is it is so much more advantageous for you to do business things under a business account. Um, for example, um, you may be able to um, write off a portion of the expenses um, where you transact business in your home. Um, when I worked um, from home and I got a 1099 for a few years, um, I would um, routinely write off a portion of my um, utilities. So basically, uh, because I worked um, out of my bedroom, so um, it looked at the square footage of my home and the area that I had dedicated to do business. Um, so I was able to get a portion of those things back. Um, had I actually um, had an LLC, it would have been even more advantageous, right? Because um, So I suggest that you talk with a tax professional, get a very, very good CPA um, that you trust that can advise you on how to structure your business. Um, so that you can take advantage of all those things. Um, my uncle, the anal engineer, um, his <laughs> wife um, had her own hair salon. 
Well, he got her to be a Paul Mitchell rep um, so that she got paid to use Paul Mitchell products. Um, they paid for some of her training. Then she turned her salon into um, a training salon, so she was paid to have students. And then if she flew, they lived in Nashville, if she flew um, to Texas um, and she did our hair, well, guess what? That then became a business trip because she was a stylist. Um, so, uh, you know, that was a portion of those, those fees, um, of the, the airplane ride and the hotel fees, because now she was conducting business and, um, you know, she was a business owner. But so definitely, definitely it pays to, um, to do that, um, because it might even be more advantageous for you to lease that phone. You know what I'm saying? Through the business versus them buying it. Right. Um, because you, you might be able to deduct some of that appreciation. So, again, um, and if you are a business owner, um, it's because your CPA can only help you to the extent that you provide all that information. Um, sit there and think about how that business uh, plans to grow. Because maybe you're purchasing a phone month one or month two, um, but maybe month six or month eight, um, if your income is there, you're going to need to lease a vehicle. Or you may have two or three more employees that you also need to provide phones for. So that will also help the CPA to tell you, um, what kind of, uh, I said appreciation, what kind of depreciation, because um, I believe there's somewhere, you know, you can take it all up front or you can parcel it out over time. So they're going to work with you to see um, what's more advantageous for, for your business. So absolutely, I would advocate for people to do that. Um, the tax code in the United States favors the wealthy and the wealthy have businesses and deductions. So the closer you can work towards that, the closer that the systems in place will work for your benefit. That's amazing. That definitely shows that when you have your assets in place and you've, you, you know, you've channeled it through your business account, then you can justify why you use that phone to make client calls. For example, you know, if you go to, you know, uh, a restaurant and you pay with your card because you had a client meeting, those are things that you can be able to write off. But people don't really know those things because they're too scared or they're too worried about the outcome instead of just focusing on what they should do today. Oh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll share another personal story. When I was about 25 years old and I, I started making decent money, um, you know, I was just so thrilled that I owed on my first tax return. And, you know, I was, um, and, and then it struck me that this was not success, that it was stupid because I didn't want to pay. Oh, <laughs> but, so um, I did not have a lot of assets. I was not married. I didn't have a house. I didn't have little people. So I actually sold Avon. Um, I sold Avon for about two years. Now, when I say I sold Avon, I bought a lot of the jewelry and the skin so soft because I love this stuff anyway. But I basically just bought it for myself. Um, but guess what? I had a business. Um, I did not have an LLC, um, but I did a DBA, and guess what? That was enough. The losses were enough to offset me paying Uncle Sam. So, absolutely. I call that poor man's planning. <laughs> you don't always have to do it big. Uh, remember people used to sell Amway back in the day? Uh-huh. Well, guess what? Well, we all learned from Donald Trump because he told the whole world, you know, only the stupid pay taxes. He had almost a billion dollars in deductions one year, like $850,000. Like he said, you leverage um, debt and you leverage bankruptcy, right? So you have to take a note from how the wealthy do it. 
it is more, it is some cases when you want to lower your taxes, it is more advantageous to lose money than to make money, which is why the IRS even allows you to um, to write off some of your losses in the stock market, right? Mm. So again, you just have to think like they think, because you would, who would think that? If I have a business and I don't make money, this will help me? Absolutely. So I would have losses that we'll say of about three to five hundred dollars. And what those what what it was with my Avon is I had to buy the books, right? Because you have to buy the books, you have to buy the samples. Yeah. You know, um, you're using your mileage. So all of my expenses were more than my um, income. Right, because I wasn't like you know beating the pavement, but I had a few customers, um, mostly family members, and myself. I was my biggest customer. But guess what? That was enough for me not to pay that three to five hundred dollars every year to Uncle Sam. And one year, I think I even made fifty dollars. So, welcome to how the U.S. works. (laughs) Absolutely, a good CPA and a good attorney and a good advisor, when that money starts rolling in, are your best friends in the world. Those three are going to make sure that you take advantage of every conceivable legal outlet that is out there, just like the big boys do. So they all had to start small. So you position yourself so that when that money really starts rolling in, you'll you'll be in position just like the big boys are. They don't all do it themselves. They have pro- trusted professional advisors that tell them, because these tax laws may change. So a good tax professional is worth their weight in gold. Absolutely. Wow. This is a nugget of wisdom. Definitely. I believe everybody should be able to rewind and just take notes in case they missed anything out, because this conversation is something that is literally a practice of a day to day lifestyle um, implementation rather than just listening to it and just thinking, oh, OK, things are going to get better tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. You you plan for the good days, but it, the bad days may be more advantageous to you. Absolutely. When you're talking about um, finances and, and I hate to say these little, you know, things that we hear all the time, but knowledge is power. And if you're not thinking and challenging yourself about what is going to happen in the future, future planning, remember, do your future self a favor. Um, and then you're not really going to be able to articulate to anyone. Um, this is what I need to be prepared for. So just in terms of your businesses, same thing. What are the plans for the future? Because that's going to um, dictate your income, your spending, your deductions, you know, everything. Um, so absolutely, it's it's that money mindset. Like I said, it's that it's that econo- it's that behavior um, that becomes part of your discipline, so that you are always thinking of what is going to come next, and then after that, and then after that. So you're always prepared. You're never surprised because you are prepared for um, just about anything. Exactly. Wow. I'm so happy and I'm and I'm excited and glad that you were able to join the playroom today and give us all this information because this is something that you definitely don't speak on every day unless it's a masterclass or a mastermind or something that's very high level. And I really appreciate your knowledge and time today. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much. I love to um explain what I do, you know, helping clients worth $150 million and I don't have $150 million and you may not, but guess what? So I learn and observe and listen and then I love to share that with my community um, so that we all have um, financial freedom 
so that who knows um, when someone does get that money, then they can, you know, come to my firm and officially become a client. So absolutely. Um, thank you so much um, for the space and opportunity. And thank you for what you do in getting good information out um, that people absolutely need to know and can help them immediately. Yes. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there any way that people could reach out to you or connect with you um, in case they want to, you know, join your firm or they're probably even ready right now to, to start off? <laughs> sure. Um, I'm at um, uh, my Instagram. Now, I'm not actually looking for clients. And, and plus, I believe there's like a $2 million minimum. So if you meet that, absolutely reach out. <laughs> not officially giving advice and it depends on what states and licensing and all of that but absolutely i love to just um help people and communicate resources it's something i'm very passionate about so my um instagram is zeta aggie z-e-t-a-a-g-g-i-e and you can also reach me on clubhouse i am on clubhouse um mickey gabriel m-e-k-e-y and uh, G-A-B-R-I-E-L um, and I'm actually going to be hosting rooms where I talk about financial literacy um, and the things that I mentioned comprehensive wealth management um, so that we can provide the big picture for people so when that income does increase you're already going to be well positioned to take advantage of everything we just all need to start with day one $20, $50, $100 that's all you need to start just be active, stick to your plan and um, you know, lessen your uh, anxiety in the future and just always remember, honor your future self. What is yourself in six months gonna say about today? What do you need to do today? Make your future self happy and start putting aside and investing in you and your family today. Wow, thank you so much, Mickey. This was great and I'm looking forward to having you here again and also seeing you on Clubhouse for sure. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Thank you again. And you're so welcome. Anytime.